Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. completely free thanks to our sponsors this week indeed squarespace Squarespace. they're bringing the show to you dlc of course the show all about games and their many forms games played on desktops laptops and consoles also games that involve dice luck and cardboard i'm your host jeff canada that's spelled with two n's and one t and i am joined as always by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis the guy who always runs a quarterback draw with 13 seconds to go and no timeouts, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. It's like the Cowboys looked into my Madden 05 play history and were like, that kid had some good ideas. <laughs> How about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, Christian? Oh, oh what, a, what a Sunday. I mean, it's still going on. We, had, we got the... Steelers currently being obliterated by the Chiefs as we as we record. Uh, I just but love not- that in a in a multiverse other timeline, there is a Jeff starting this show right now, being like, "Well, at least we have games to talk about." Yeah, no, yeah, you would have seen me in a very sad mood if that hadn't turned out the way it did. But the Niners are going on to Lambeau, so we'll see how they can they can uh, take on what my. My five-year-old calls the Green Bell Packers. The Green Bell Packers. Uh, I'm excited to see that game next week. But we got we got video games to talk about. We got tons of video games to talk about. And, ladies and gentlemen, we have one of my very favorite guests. We are starting 2022 off right. These guests, these last few weeks, oh, the cream of the crop. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I am so excited because, once again, DLC stands for... I live continue because from the spawn on me empire, (laughs) our friend Khalif Adams is back with us. Hello, Khalif. How are you? What up, fam? How y'all doing? I hope you're all doing very, very well. Happy New Year. I hadn't had a chance to speak to you since the New Year started. My DLC stands for the losing cowboys. They are out of here. I am extremely happy. That they got beat by Mother Nature. They got beat by <laughs> infrastructure. They got beat by bad coaching. Yeah. I am not even a cowboy hater, but as a New Yorker, that just brings me joy to see <laughs> that the cowboys are no longer in a place where they can play football for the rest of the season. Uh, I am extremely excited to be rocking with y'all. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, man. We love having you on the show. Uh, we love your content. You're so prolific. Everything you touch turns to gold. 
So I'm glad you're here. Uh, and uh, we uh, we got a lot to talk about. It's you know it's early part of the year, so things can be slow. But there's some juicy stuff to get into. So let's do it and start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send comments or questions or reviews. If you want to talk about a game that maybe we have overlooked or uh, don't know about, send it to us, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Also, we have communities on the Discord at 5x5DLC on Discord and on the subreddit, which is 5x5DLC.reddit.com as well. But Khalif, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Uh, my story of the week, is, and I'm a little bit sad about this one, is is, is because we got you know shipped a, a load of, of of goods that is not coming to fruition, and that is Dying Light won't actually be 500 hours long. <laughs> uh, I am actually sad about this. I was hoping for this to be a world record of the longest video game that we've seen on 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 console, and I'm sad that that is not going to be the case. It seems like Techland had a a, a faux pas, uh, as they say on on the social <laughs> medias, or or you know they don't say that they say they screwed it up, <laughs> but it's one of those things of like them tweeting out like this game is going to be the biggest, the most massive game that you've ever seen, and then everyone losing their minds in multiple directions about that conversation <laughs> yeah. online. Uh, it's it's wild to, to see the you know just how a small miscommunication from a PR perspective will lean into almost two days of a news story and a news cycle uh, yeah. that really doesn't make sense because, to be honest, you don't have to play all that if you don't want to. That's the beautiful part about all this conversation. Is that I, lo- I love that you bring this up. This is this is a juicy story on a number of levels, and I think yeah. it's going to spark some interesting discussion because, you know, as you mentioned, uh, the, the folks at Techland tweeted out that Dying Light 2 will take at least 500 hours to complete. Like that's the key phrase 500 hours to complete <laughs> to which and there was an enormous outcry of we don't want that from the <laughs> from gamers everywhere uh which is is pretty hilarious because you know i think all of us grew up in the era when you know bigger was always better like the game was was 60 80 100 hours it, it was a it was a box a bullet point of of quality perceived quality or at least bang for your buck and, and megabytes, here is, where it was like a 120 megabyte game. And you're yeah. like, ooh, it's going to be eight well, hours. Like, I, <laughs> dude, I don't mean to trump you on the age factor, but Christian, I remember when number of colors was a big deal. Uh, 16 colors. 256 colors in our game. That's how hmm. many colors we've got. Uh, so a little you know, blast processing, and then you have, you have new yeah. stuff for you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, I, it, it does seem times have changed, or maybe this is just a, a tipping point past which uh, gamers aren't willing to to go. And so I want to get your opinions on that. But just to sort of uh, round out the story, basically, Techland came out and said, uh, oops, no, that was not really what we meant. If you want to see every single dialogue tree, every ending, all the collectibles, every single bit of thing that's in this package then yeah, maybe it'll take 500 hours. But if you want to just like complete the story, it's 20. 
is a lot less. Some 20. poor, some poor uh, person in QA is like, it's way more than five hundred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this is uh, time needed to finish the main story and all side quests. Eighty hours. So again, uh, far cry from from five hundred. But that's they list five hundred as the time needed to max out the game with all side quests, endings, choices, checking everything on the map, finding every collectible, experiencing every dialogue choice. Is there anybody that experiences every dialogue choice? I feel like that <laughs> seems like an odd number to even reference. It's like, well, I guess I got to go back and see what happens if I say, no, I don't want a sandwich. You know, <laughs> I mean, I think there are some people that are. I probably. mean, no one does. Are. I mean, everyone does. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, uh, it depends <laughs> on who you ask. I mean, what even is a choice? Well, if you, so I, again, I don't want to get into the nitty gritty on this because I think the whole thing is a bit ridiculous, but. It is funny to think, okay, well, they, if you're saying see every dialogue choice, does that mean you have to start the game over and play 10 hours in to get to the dialogue choice that you could change? Are they adding that number into the equation? You walking back to your car in virtual space basically is like, where did I leave that other dialogue choice again? Yeah. Where did I put that? It's like that scene in Groundhog Day where, you know, where Bill Murray starts uh, saying the multiple things to people, but they just edit. Like he had to go through the whole day to get to that point to get to the different part where he says the thing to the lady anyway uh I, really quick because i know I, one of the things that i think was really interesting during this whole nonsensical part of the conversation was and i tweeted this out you know on 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 my feed the other day and i was like look i understand that there was a mistake in the way that this kind of came out from pr i get that techland botched that from that perspective the thing that drove me nuts was to see so many of my industry peers jump into the fray at least on this part of the conversation and double down on the fact that like we know we've been doing this for a long time most folks who've been in these in the space have been reviewing games have been playing games they they know how you will have your main story quest line that you will go through which is the thing that most people kind of care about yeah and that is not going to take you 500 hours to finish yeah. And I was saying I mean, I, that I know this game has been in development for a very long time, but I still think 500 hours to do the main quest is a little odd to even consider. Right. So I'm like, my my feeling is like, if you know that this is the case, don't feed into the mass hysteria that this wind up right. pulling in and say, hey, we know that there's something here that's probably amiss. Maybe this is a thing in which they got this thing wrong. I just don't, I, I, I kind of want people to understand that, like, even within our space, we get to set the table for the consumer in an interesting way. And I think not doing that and just going with the first hot take that is there, even if that hot take is easy to dunk on, yeah, doesn't serve anybody. It doesn't do anything for anyone involved except make people lose hair and lose sleep. On that side of the fence, and it's one of those interesting things is like PR is going to have to deal with whatever that backlash is that has now been inflated by the fact that people can't think about this and, and, and divulge the information and share the information in a good way. That's not just, you know, TMZifying that conversation, which is so silly. I think that is such an excellent point. And you see it across so many topics, you know, not just yeah. video games. You see it. This is the this is our world now is so many of the people are discussing this in bad faith, right? Yeah. They know that the the premise upon which the discussion has started is wrong. It's not even it's not even accurate, and they know it. There's they know that there's no chance this game comes out and it's 500 hours. But because someone said a thing in an awkward way or said it misspoke in some way that can lead to that interpretation, 
they play this game where they're uh, pretending <laughs> like it's true. It's it, I totally agree with you, Cleve. I think that is such a astute observation. It's just such a waste of everybody's time and energy. And yes, here we are on the show talking about it. But I think, uh, you know, I think it does bring up an interesting subtopic, which is, I'm curious, what do you think is the optimal length of a video game in hours? Or maybe a better way to say that is, do you want to know that going in? Um, I mean, I have an expectation for what a game like this should feel like. It's not even an equation to actual hours. I have an understanding of knowing that I'm going to have to dip in and out of SideQuest to kind of get a fuller understanding of my character, seeing a little bit more of the world in that way. You know, I think as a proxy, I kind of play games in the way that I think most folks at home who are not getting the chance to kind of get these games for free or doing that. Cause, cause I think that there's a actual tangible difference in the way that people play stuff when they are buying things, as opposed to when they just have to review them and make that a part of their kind of job layer that they are mm-hmm. doing. I think that's extremely different in the way that I consume stuff in, way, in comparison to the way that most folks are com- consuming games. But I have an understanding of like the main quest is probably going to take 20 to 40 hours or so. And I'm okay with that number being that number. And I will also say when you get to a certain layer of it, you'll know if you want to continue to go, you'll dip out of that game because you just want to see something else or that game is not resonating with you or it's not actually doing the things you're hoping for it to do. So like, even if there is that layer of completionism that's there, that's like, I must finish everything. And then that's the thing you are signing up for. Whatever that number is, you know, I have a post-it on my, on my monitor that keeps me saying this is you chose this. And yeah. that's that 500 hours of like you choosing to do that run. <laughs> so it, it, it's an interesting layer there of like, I, I want people to kind of understand going into a thing like this, that like, yes, if I know that that, that story uh, quest is going to take me 20 hours, that's cool. I understand that. That's second like saying that that's their estimate. I know it's probably going to be a little bit longer for me because I want to dip and dive and see the other stuff. But also again, if you're not, if you know that that's the case, even if they haven't said it, you know a roundabout number that you'll kind of get for most of these kinds of games and most of those kind of story arcs. So yeah, all this other yeah. energy just feels weird. It's so silly. Christian, I know that, uh, <laughs> you know, we definitely relate to what Cleve's saying as far as, you know, not being in the same boat as, as folks who have to buy every game that they play. We, we buy a fair number of the games that we play, but uh, a lot of the my games family we- would say I buy too many of the games I don't play. <laughs> <laughs> you're saying that your family says that you buy. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Well, my family has said I've bought over 500 games um, this week is the quote. So take that and run with it. Um, I'm sorry. What, what were you saying for real? Though? Yes, well, I, I you know, I, we both, um, you know, love games like um, – before your eyes, you know, which is a game that we both played in a sitting, right? And uh, we would, we'll hold that up against any experience that lasts 30 or 40 hours. You know, I, I, I think that I totally understand folks' desire to make their money uh, last. You know, if you want an experience that you can, that you can get a lot out of uh, and, and you want to spend your $60, $70 on something that's not going to be over in just a couple of hours, I totally understand that. But I, I, you know, I think we've always felt that the quality of the experience, I mean, I'll put it this way. I, I, I don't know if I can name a game 
that got that I started to like in the 20th hour, you know, <laughs> but I can certainly name a lot of games that, you know, I, I, I started to dislike in the 20th hour. <laughs> so what is your take on this? Yeah, I, I mean, it is different for everybody, of course. And I think uh, Cleef makes a great point about how other folks or, or a lot of people, dare I say, people that consider themselves mainstream gamers play a game or games and that no one talks about the length of Call of Duty because it's infinite. Uh, you know, like it's it, they're not or the length of Madden 2022. Um, well, these uh, multiplayer the, games are in a different category, right? Because right, well, it's, yes, but even yeah. even like the length of fallout it's like there are some games mm, where people do talk about the length uh, of fallout. that's what i say there are some games where that is still a a badge of pride for like this is going to be mm. a world i can get lost in this is a 200 hour skyrim and people do want to know that and then for like the you know third person action adventure game i think people want to know that it it is it's that value proposition still of like dollars per hour it's like oh is guardians of the galaxy four hours oh no it took me about 20 oh good i feel mm-hmm. better buying it at full price and so i i totally understand that what i wish um i'm trying to think how do i phrase this right when you review games you almost always get provided with, in addition to the code for the game, you get a reviewer's fact sheet. And I love them. Occasionally there's like a spoiler in there and that's unfortunate because it's like, you know, uh, Christian dies in Act 3, don't tell your audience about that. And I'm like, (laughs) well, I didn't want to know that. Right, right, right. Let me experience that. But I really love a lot of those fact sheets because I do think it sets the expectation well for players in an interesting and informative way. And I think games have kind of lost that. That used to be an instruction book. So mm. I don't need like a hard, like Guardians of the Galaxy is 20 hours or um, you know God of War Ragnarok is going to be 25 hours. I don't need to know that, but I do like some context setting of kind of what I'm going into experience. And I wish that, players consumers could get something similar to that review fact sheet that kind of helps set the stage for what things are and what things are going to be because i do oftentimes like to know how far along i am into a game um Mm. and and how much more i have left um and that's mostly me budgeting my time where it's like okay i gotta watch yellow jackets it's a first world problem right so i gotta watch yellow jackets i'm uh reading uh harry potter to my kids i'm still playing halo infinite multiplayer i'm going through this and it's like can i handle this right now (laughs) (laughs) well you know we're we're getting to that point with things like xbox game pass where time is really the only metric right where i think we're transitioning away from this notion of how am i going to spend my 60 or 70 dollars because as as the market turns into this Netflix model, I think it is really going to be, well, which game do I download of the myriad that I'm already paying a subscription fee for? And I think I think at that point, it really does become like my experience with Netflix or Amazon Prime or any of those others, which is, hey, there's this, this amazing show on. Really? Yeah. Yeah. How many seasons has it been on? <laughs> six well yeah. i'm not watching that <laughs> <You> right <know? laughs> yeah. uh it, it becomes literally 
you know, what is my investment time-wise into it? And at that point, I don't know if, if having a huge number on your, on your box, on your bullet point is, is a positive at that, you know? I think it is depending on how publishers or sorry, Khalif, how, how people get paid. This is like another side of the business, but it's like, what are those publishing deals? What are those game pass deals? Is it hours of engagement? And and they're all different. And Apple arcade has changed its model over the years. Um, But it kind of gets into that side of things as well. If you're making a single player game, um, what kind of deal will you get with the subscription service? If it's a 10 hour game and people bounce after 10 and don't revisit it, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I had someone I had someone because I was like, you know, I appreciate the fact that this game is going to be long in whatever ways it's going to wind up being. And, and and someone was like, yeah, this game is too long and I don't want to play that because uh, X game is coming out right after that because, you know, February is going to be madness and, and all those kinds of things. And I was like, you know, you don't have to play that other game yet either. Yeah, like you can just wait <laughs> like it's going to still be there. They're not going to disappear. Whatever that newer game that just that came that comes out right you know, after the other game you just bought comes out, you can wait. It's this idea of like, I must have everything now. Yeah. Which it's is weird because we all, yeah, it's like the zeitgeist having that part of the conversation. I understand it from a media perspective, but also I understand that, like you just said, Jeff, the amount of time that you have is not <laughs> infinite at this point. Right. You have to yeah. kind of schedule that stuff out or figure out where you can get in where you fit in and, and, and be okay with it. So it, does, really it also is, is so odd, you know, especially a game like dying light Two, which, you know, I think I still have my, I saw it first shirt from oh, yeah. <laughs> like four years, five years ago, E3, something like that. It's, it's been, it's been in development an absurdly long time. And you've, you, you think about these games that are like five, six, seven years of people's lives. And then people blow through them in a weekend. And it's like, all uh-huh. right, next. And it's like, you know, these people toiled over this for, you know, <laughs> thousands of man hours of work and, and effort and thought went into this. And you're like, next, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It just, it, such is, such is life in this content age. But uh, I do anyway, think- so the, the, the takeaway here is the dying light two isn't going to take 500 hours. Although if you want it to hang out in 500 hours in dying light two, you know, why not? All right. You better I, like it. I do think this is kind of a, good example of all press is good press yeah i mean dying light 2 is again until it's out it's not out because as you've mentioned jeff it has been in development for a while but it's close to coming out and this got it in conversations again i mean it's how long is it what is it how meaty is it people are talking about dying light 2 i don't think it was an intentional like leak pr stunt kind of thing but I don't think it hurts the game at all. I, I don't think this conversation was negative for it or soured people in any way. And now we're talking about Dying Light 2 coming out soon. And I think it looks great. I'm excited to see that, you know, the evolution of the parkour gameplay and the bigger world. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think this hurts uh, this particular game with this press cycle. We shall see. We shall see. Dying Light 2 supposedly coming out soon. But oh, no, it just got delayed. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> just got oh, delayed no. uh didn't it get it delayed really? didn't it it got it didn't they just announce a delay or am i thinking of something else there uh, was a, something else uh, just got delayed uh, but i mean everything is gonna want to get delayed at this point uh, <laughs> i forget i think it's like is, is february it set? It's, oh february 4 okay it has yeah it's it's right. very soon something yeah. else is uh delayed. you know what 
I've rarely been wrong when I say the game has been delayed. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, uh, oh yeah, twenty twenty two. Yeah, delayed to twenty twenty two, February fourth. Okay, uh, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? My story of the week is uh, mergers and acquisitions. Is my story mm-hmm. of the week, and every time I think about M and A's, um, I think about uh, Patrick Bateman. Uh, <laughs> They're going to say misprinted candies. <laughs> Whenever I think about M and A's, I think of I think of American Psycho. Uh, is what I think about when I think about M and A's. Um, GT, I'm reading the the headline. Uh, Take two bought Zanga for twelve point seven billion. That's with a B dollars to put in perspective. It's hard to get into billions because, like, it's oh, I'm I'm rounding here, but it's like oh, it's only point seven more than Bethesda, point <laughs> seven billion. Like, it's so it's so <laughs> yeah. many, but it's more than Bethesda. It's more than Marvel. It's more than Star Wars. Um, it's a whole lot of money. I mean, again, Insomniac is the best deal in gaming. Like Sony <laughs> got a steal on on whatever they paid yeah. for Insomniac. Um, and so this is huge. This is a huge purchase. Zanga is the, you know, mobile casual game maker that you might remember from your, uh, person you met, uh, that lives on your street on Facebook, asking you to play a game with them (laughs) 10 years ago. (laughs) They've gone through a rise and fall and rise and fall again. Um, they really have. That that is not to be understated. They've really gone. They, I remember when Zynga was like the laughing stock because they tried, you know, they had Farmville. It was a huge hit. And then they, they, you know, they, they got all this market cap and, you know, and then all of a sudden Facebook changed the way they handle apps and the, on Facebook and they crashed and you couldn't, Zynga was like, you know, on the ropes. And now here they are 12.1, uh, 12.7 bill. Yeah. There's a time when Zynga, like the city of San Francisco almost changed its name to Zanga. Like if you drove through that town, like they owned half of that city, it felt like. And and now this is a huge purchase. Take two, of course, uh, sports and GTA, among other things. And they say that their differences actually make them stronger. Like the, the, the cultural differences, the gaming differences <laughs> makes them a stronger company together with how they're going to, you know, bring console franchises to mobile with that expertise and then also look to use i thought this was interesting it was something like use our expertise from mobile in our console games which of course made like the little hair on the back of my neck stand up a little bit (laughs) but that's where that 12.7 billion comes from right khalif like it's not from making farmville the triple a third person action adventure game no i mean i think i think one of the things that you know we kind of fail to talk about often in in the the, the gaming space is just how big mobile gaming actually is, especially yep. because we talk about video games in this very kind of North American centric way, and we don't think about the rest of the world where mobile gaming is huge, or across- just the regular person. Last time I went to an airport, but like I'm there thinking like, oh, I'm the only gamer here, and I look around and everybody's on everybody's gaming they don't consider themselves a gamer but like my wife plays more video games than i do yeah and she'd never do a video game podcast <laughs> yeah 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 so it, it's, it is one of those things of like when you think about that number and how much they're indexing and that's not even gonna you know we haven't even talked about the the kind of elephant in the room with with, with take two kind of joining this 
this fray, which is GTA potentially going to mobile devices in a actual way, which if you've been looking at GTA online, that thing is making money hand over fist still. Right. Uh, and, you know, GTA yes, 5 is going to come out on Apple Watch, I'm sure, tomorrow because it's <laughs> on everything at this point. Yeah. So it is it is a huge deal to think about, like, what this company, these two companies kind of getting in bed together is, is going to mean for not only for Take Two, which is going to continue to pump out more money, which will hopefully then funnel itself back into the next version of Grand Theft Auto. But this is gives them a whole other place to play and, and, and think about new properties in a way that they haven't potentially maybe thought about before. So this is, this is a huge deal. Yeah, and they're explicit about it, right? In the in the statement, they say uh, the mobile is the, quote, fastest growing platform in the industry, right? They're saying, hey, we got to get in that mobile space. And this is a company that's already there. Why not? We we have the, the marquee AAA IP. They got the know-how and they got the you know, the, the, the way to create hits on mobile. That's what we want. That's what we want. So, I mean, it, it makes sense. It, it, it's hard for me as a very specific generation of gamer who just has no interest in mobile games um, and feels like everything that mobile gaming represents is kind of takes something away from what I like about video games. Mm. Um so I have a certain bias there that I will cop to, but you can't argue with the fact that everything you guys said is true, that the, more people play mobile games than anything else. And the, these folks, I would want them to have quality titles. And if you think of a game, a, a publisher that makes quality titles, acquiring a mobile game developer one hopes that results in mo- quality mobile titles so do you think though like my concern and i think it was maybe it was a later statement or or some a comment they put out later like my f- fear as again from that s- certain generation or type of of person who plays games um is that we're going to see more nba 2kification of their console games and i think their big money makers are already there nba 2k uh, I love the on the court basketball. I recoil at much of the gameplay experience <laughs> and GTA online. I'll be honest and say, I haven't touched and probably when did it first launch PS three. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't touched in a whole generation, but it too is very much a, um, a vehicle to spend money on. Um, and I'm curious how much of those learnings are going to go the other way of like, here's what we've learned. Here's how to monetize this. Um, or maybe take two's already there and they're doing fine with it. But I am curious to see less AAA games going, having mobile versions and more getting rid of that line of what is a mobile game and what is a AAA game. And they all kind of monetize the same way. They're all Genshin Impact or Fortnite. Now Fortnite's back on mobile through um, GeForce Now or the limited beta right now. But like as our mobile devices become more powerful and engines scale across things, I'm curious how much of this is just like, no, we are now a complete company instead of living in this siloed island. I think you also get into a really interesting space when you think about mobile devices as more than just your phone, right? People don't think of 
people think of tablets in that space, but also people don't think of Chromebooks and, and, and mm. kind of small thin and lights and things like that, that are mm. not super powerful enough to kind of get you over the hump where you would want to, uh, you know, play things natively on that device. And if you don't feel like you have a chunky enough internet connection to do cloud gaming, this could be that really interesting middle space that they play in to kind of bring those AAA space games into a kind of more digestible version that you can play on a device that you wouldn't normally think of as a gaming device. So it winds up being a lot of different interesting plays there. And I don't even know, like they didn't talk about any of the stuff and I don't know how Zynga is maneuvering in Asia, but if they do all of this and then kind of maneuver that within a space that's in the Asian market, that changes a lot of that conversation there too. Like, I don't know what the, if there's beef between, or if there's like, you know, amicable, spaces between Zynga, Take-Two, and Tencent. But, like, that's a whole other layer, too, that winds up kind of changing that conversation. Like, what does mobile gaming look like? Who are you trying to pull into that funnel? And then what does that look like for the back end, which Take-Two and Zynga know a lot about making money in those spaces? So it's really interesting to see what their what their play is right now. Yeah. You know, you start adding all that stuff up, you kind of realize why $12.7 billion ain't ain't a bad price potentially mm-hmm. you know well, i mean that's, if you got it if you got it that's why that's what i think is the biggest part of this and it is it's so much money that i my brain can't comprehend it it's like you know here's us the pale, pale blue dot right mm-hmm. like i i know that i've seen that image i understand the concept of space being infinite but my dumb lizard brain honestly can't comprehend that like i can't <laughs> i know i'm going to die one day i honestly cannot comprehend like i'm limited in my scope and same with this where it's like <laughs> i like how you you're you're framing the take two zynga acquisition as an existential threat to your being <laughs> no 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 just as just something that is beyond my comprehension in terms of the sheer magnitude of it <laughs> just maybe the same thing yeah. disney i just looked it up disney's bought marvel for four billion wow yeah this is three wow. marvels Three marvels. Wow. Three marvels. Zynga That's equals three wow. marvels is not a sentence that I would agree with, but I mean, <laughs> if if the, if you want a way to to wrap your brain around it, they bought each Zynga share at nine dollars and eighty six cents a piece. There you yeah. go. Boom. That's like me. T- that's like you telling me you can run a four minute mile still, Christian. It's just a twelve second hundred. You can do that. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do that. Now do it. You know, whatever it is, forty eight times. I can't do that anymore. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is huge, though. This is huge. It is. It is huge. We'll see how how it changes Take Two and uh, and Zynga for that matter. I wonder if they keep the Zynga name. Probably. It probably has value. Um, We shall see. Lots of other interesting stuff going on. Uh, I want to take one quick second and pour one out for the Xbox One, which has officially stopped being made. Not much else to talk about there. It did two years ago, though. That's the news. The news came out because Sony's still making PS4s, and Microsoft is like, cough, we stopped making ours in 2020. (laughs) Well, they stopped making the (laughs) Xbox One X back in 2020, but the Xbox One S S. continued until the end of last year, so or of 2021. So yeah, uh, the Xbox One S now is no longer being made, which means there's no version of the Xbox One that is currently being manufactured. So... Uh, long live series, I guess. Um, <laughs> Xbox is like, yeah, series is selling good. They said it's the be- best selling uh, console they've ever had is the series consoles. Uh, so, so in 20 years, my kids are going to buy an analog 
uh, Xbox One S. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, that's not really my story, though. I just uh, thought we should take a second acknowledge that. You know, it was the console very, very troubled launch, uh, very tumultuous with the uh, the announcement of always on uh, requirement. The Xbox One was called the Xbox One because they wanted it to be your number one input on your TV. Anybody remember that? Oh, they wanted it to yeah. be the one input so that you you put your all of your other stuff, like your I don't know your TiVo. And your other stuff that was <laughs> that was contemporary to that time, uh, your Directv dish box, uh, you know, you put you pumped all that through the Xbox One first, and then you could like they wanted you to it to be a place where you could watch TV and play video games at the, on the same screen, you know, because the Xbox is like, like all of that stuff. That was the entire design direction of the Xbox One, along with the Connect, of course, which it shipped with originally. Mm-hmm. None of that. Really, that that all was scrapped so fast. Uh, <laughs> it, went, it came and went. It came and went. All right. I also want to bring up uh, as my official story of the week. I want to bring up the, um, the there's some other awards. Uh, we you know we're fully into 2022 now, but uh, people are still looking back at 2021. We had our top five episode uh, not too long ago, but uh, Dice and GDC both announced nominees for their awards for 2021, and I. I always put a lot of stock in these. These are usually uh, awarded by developers to developers. So I, I feel like these uh, have a, a special place in my attention, at least. Um, and uh, I think it's pretty interesting. We'll just, I mean, there's lots of categories, but I just briefly talk about the actual game of the year, the big marquee um, category. DICE's game of the year nominees are Deathloop, Inscription, It Takes Two, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, and Returnal, while GDC also has Deathloop, It Takes Two, and Inscription, but swaps out those other two games for Forza Horizon 5 and Resident Evil Village. Um, Khalif, I'm, I, I don't know if I heard your, if you declared a favorite game of 2021, uh, mm-hmm. but if you did, is it on any of these lists? And, and are these lists, what, what do you make of these lists? Do you think they're good? These are great lists. Uh, I have not shared out my actual 2021 game of the year because it's happening on January 31st. Nice. Spawnies. Um, But there are some similar uh, nominees here to to some of the games that we have on, on our list, too. The thing that I actually really love about uh, GDC's list is the fact that they put Forza on there. I think that that's actually really, really dope because driving games never get love when it comes to game of the year uh, nominees and, and, and it's always nice to be able to see, you know, a game like that, that was, you know, one of my favorite games of, of, of the past year, you know, finally get it to do uh, with playground getting play playground games, getting uh, some love there. So I'm super, super excited for that. That that's just fantastic that they're in there. Yeah. I, I feel the same way about uh, inscription being on both lists. Mm. Um, it's a game that I think is so special and, it feels small. It feels like a game that could be easily overlooked. And yet it's, it seems to be considerably or consistently um, mentioned in these lists, which I think is so great. And of course it takes two was my, my favorite game of the year. So I'm glad to see it. It takes two in there as well. Uh, but inscription, it just, it's just so bold and different and inspired and weird and fun and cool. Uh, I hope people seeing it on these lists get, gets more folks to give it a shot because it's mm-hmm. awesome. 
think Christian, Resident Evil, Resident Evil as well is one of those games that wasn't on my personal list, but a game I really loved and I think was a great jump start to last year in terms of like big AAA beautiful game um and it's been interesting seeing like a few outlets have had it really high but it mm-hmm. hasn't been on every outlet's top 10 even and i think jeff you and i talked about this a little bit with anthony uh, when we did our favorites of the year but it's been really awesome to see the diversity of games um and i don't think anyone's going to argue that, like village shouldn't be there it's not like <laughs> Some yeah. outlet gets it wildly wrong, but it's just so many awesome, incredible games across genres and coming out in, I hope to say, the middle of a pandemic and not the first half of a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> nice to say the end. I would prefer the end, that. But, you know, like Oof. doing it th- during this incredible time as well. And so Resident Evil Village is always one that jumps out at me when I see it on um, list because it hasn't been there across the board and it's like yeah that is a game that came out in january mm-hmm. and had that staying power for a lot of folks which is cool yeah all right that'll do it for our story of the week segment we got games that we've been playing coming up but first i want to thank our sponsor indeed uh, if you are hiring do you have ambitious hiring goals well no sweat because you're not waiting for the right candidates to find you. You're finding them first with Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applicants that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description. and You can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applicants that meet your must-have requirements. It's amazing. If I was hiring, this is the only way that I would go. Indeed makes it easy to hire great talent. According to Comscore, Indeed is the number one job site worldwide. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. That's according to the Talent Nest in 2019. So join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash DLC. The offer is valid through March 31st. So go to indeed.com slash DLC to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash dlc terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed well i think i know where we should start this week because khalid <laughs> and christian and i all have been playing the pc version of god of war 
which I think, yes, I think I'm correct in saying Christian was our show's game of the year in 2018 when it came out. Indeed. Uh, now, indeed. Now it has finally, <laughs> finally reached PC players. Khalif, what do you think of God of War on PC? I'm sick of it calling me boy on the... No, I'm just playing. It's, <laughs> it's screaming at me all the time. What boy. do you want from me, you tall, bald man? Um, <laughs> I Again, it's like one of those things of like, it just feels like a nice warm blanket that throws an axe into your leg. It's, 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 it's just so good to go back into that world. Uh, one of the things when, when, the, when the code started to kind of roll out, one of the things that I was just really excited about was just like how much will this kind of pull me back into and get me excited for Ragnarok. Um, and, and it totally just pulled in all those things. Like I I'm, I'm still playing through some of it. Uh, and I have not gotten to the point where I've gotten the, the, uh, the, you know, the, the iconic chains and, 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 uh, and started to go down that route yet, but I know what's coming because I played <laughs> through it and I'm excited to get back to that part. Uh, again and then go through the whole process uh, again towards you know remembering what the last bosses were and some yeah. of the movements that, that were in that space i'm having such a blast with it i know there's been a lot of scuttlebutt right now about like is this you know pulling down the sony brand or is this the thing that's going to keep people from buying ps5s and and people are no, mad not being PC able games. to get them is what's keeping people from buying ps5s i mean you know not not to brag i may have you know more than one ps5 in my well well uh one, thanks uh but it's like one for every room in the house at khalif's house you go to the bathroom ps5 boom that's what you gotta play you gotta play you gotta play <laughs> <laughs> uh, the five is a whole nother number anyway but it's one of, <laughs> but it is one of those things of like getting a chance to like get through that but then in this highest fidelity thing i think that's the thing that right now is yeah really just feeding that 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 space of just being like man this used to be pretty this is really pretty on my console this looks even better on my pc which was the hope and it, it winds up being true so really excited for that hard to argue uh that it 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 doesn't look like it could have been released today. You know, it, yeah. it, it may be a, what, four-year-old game almost now, but, uh, I mean, other than maybe Guardians of the Galaxy, mm. I can't think of anything that looks more beautiful than God of War on PC. I mean, uh, I'm sitting right here, Jeff, but thank you. Gosh, <laughs> I can't think of a single thing. Uh, <laughs> Um, I know that, uh, Khalif, you and I both have uh, super ultra-wide monitors, the 32.9 crazy mamma jammas. Unreasonable-sized yeah. monitors, yes. Yes, and it is it is unreasonable of us to expect these games <laughs> to fill the screen, perhaps. But, you know, I just mentioned Go uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. It did. I mean, Sony Santa really Monica, nice. you had one job. You had one job, and that was to <laughs> fill my monitor with every pixel, I want to see the pimples and, and, on Kratos' arms. I want to see all the stuff. We, we, we need to stop here for just a quick moment and just let people know that uh, I am playing on a tiny, rinky-dink, just regular widescreen. Because you have to remember... Uh, Yours is ultra-wide. You have an ultra-wide, not, not, a, not a... No, I have a 16 by 9. Oh, a, come on, Christian. A right, so you have to remember, back kids, 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 kids don't listen to this podcast. Kids, there were phone books and there were TVs that were 4 by 3. That was like oh. a square, basically a square. And then we moved into this wonderful thing that we called widescreen. And our TVs and computer monitors started to be like 
movie theater screens and they mm. were wider than they were tall and content was made specifically for that. And then they said, you know what? We can get even wider screens. And they had super or ultra wide screens. And and then Jeff and Khalif were like, nah. It needs to be wider, bro. Not wider. wider. <laughs> so, to be fair here to Sony Santa Monica, and there's they've talked about how difficult it was yeah. to make to port this no cut, seemingly no cut game to what what is it? What's this next one? Super wide? What's I don't even yeah, do, is it an actual so, is it a classification okay. for our monitor? Yeah, ultra <laughs> there's, wide. there's ultra wide and super ultra wide, right? So yeah. so it supports there's, ultra wide. There's four by three, which is you know boring old 1980s CRT televisions, square CRT monitors. Yeah. Then there's 16 by nine, which is yep. what most people uh, you know look at as a standard movie screen. Then there is uh, what tw- 20, 21 by nine, 21 nine, right? Which is the ultra wide monitor, which is what. Uh, this, this game, game supports. supports. It does support ultra wide, which, which was is a ton of work. It was yeah, a ton of work, and they did it. Yes, I will get to that in a second. But but then uh, the <laughs> the real screen that you should get, ladies and gentlemen, thirty two nine, thirty two nine, baby, thirty two nine. I'm gonna. I'm, I apologize, but no, I don't wait, apologize. Wait, wait, no, before, no, 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 no. This is from you... Khalif with multiple PS fives in yeah. his house. No, we are... monitor that. Is literally behind him right now, too. Right? You think he's wearing a hoodie. It's not. That's monitor. That is yeah. all monitor. This is no, all no, monitor. listen. It's, this is all, it, it is, it is virtual production, baby. It is obnoxious <laughs> as hell to, for us to talk about our 32.9 monitors. But, Khalif, let's talk about our 32.9 monitors because I want you to tell folks, like, what it's like playing on a 32.9 display. I, first of all... Anyone, listen, everyone who's listening to my voice right now, understand spreadsheets are the future. <laughs> 32 by nine spreadsheets will save your life. 32, nine, 32 by nine uh, monitors are the best thing going. I started to play cyberpunk in that, on that monitor. And for the first time I could see what Keanu was about to say because it was so wide. I could see the dialogue trees before they happen on a 32.9 monitor. Yeah. I could see into the future on a 32 by 9 monitor. Yeah. He's, not, li- he's not lying, ladies and gentlemen. A 32.9 monitor will, will, it will hug you as, yep. it, as you play it. It, yep. it is all around you all the time. Uh, it is literally, I mean, the, the numbers work out this way. Take two 16 by nine monitors and stick them next to each other and then eliminate the seams. Yes. And then bend it. So it's not. Yeah. And then wrap it around you like a warm blanket. It is uh, magical. Mm -hmm. And the games that support it, like Halo Infinite, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, a a number of of games now support that super ultra wide native, super ultra wide resolution, uh, aspect ratio and it is it's extraordinary like it, it, your field of vision is completely encompassed by the experience and so that is why it is so disappointing for those of us that are privileged enough to be able to have those monitors to see those ugly ugly bars on the sides of our so screen. disgraceful to the it, story it of really God is, God. <laughs> it's marring what is otherwise a nearly perfect experience and so uh <sighs> i found myself you know uh tweeting at uh at at cory barlog and at um uh 
Greg Miller uh, and getting into a, quite the discussion. And then, as you mentioned, Christian, uh, I, I got into quite the discussion with them uh, uh, about, you know, it should it should support 32.9. And then, uh, lo and behold, I read this PC Gamer article that I'm sure you're <laughs> referencing, which is talking about how difficult it was for them to achieve even ultra-wide because uh, this seamless experience of of the camera never cutting meant that they you know they the the camera's always uh, in motion always fluid and there are things that would happen maybe on the out uh, you know beyond the edges of the scene to pull that off like you know moving uh atreus atreus yep yep boy moving the boy uh, around, you know, to try to be in the same place. And you kind of see him skittering on the edges. So they had to go in and edit all that stuff and make sure it all worked. They said it took hundreds of hours of effort to uh, to make it work, to which I say, I'm sorry, but let's work on the ultra, super ultra. I mean, look, because- if they took 500 hours, maybe they would have gotten it right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> yes. all I'm saying. All I know, <laughs> as I'm going to keep pouring gasoline on this fire, is that it's dlcfeedback at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. It's your email. If you want to talk about Jeff playing video games in his Tesla or on his super ultra-wide monitor that I see on IGN for its lowest price ever, 4000 No, know, I did not spend $4,000. I did not spend $4,000 on my monitor. Um, it is – I mean, yes. I, I, I love you guys, and as a guy – uh, having a small monitor syndrome on this show. Let me just say, I feel inadequate. My family has left me and I can't believe I play games. My question to both of you, and I want to talk more about God of War, but since we're here, yep. um, I, I feel like in my head, what's hard to picture is UI on the mm-hmm. super ultra wide monitor. Cause is it floating somewhere? Cause it, in a regular, and I'm looking at like my main gaming monitor as I kind of turn off whatever um like ui is usually kind of on the corners but you can see it um mm-hmm. and super ultra wide is it kind of floating and what would i guess would be the middle of the thing or is it like way off like is my halo um radar like super far off in the corner like when you you joked about cyberpunk you could see the text choices before that like where do those fly in i feel like all of that stuff must be extremely difficult to develop for the it's interesting because I know we joke about the kind of the curve and how it how it hugs you, but it actually really helps to kind of pull in UI elements closer to your your field of vision that you would usually kind of think of in that way. It's also really interesting too because and I don't know if you do this, Jeff. You know, and this is again one of those kind of like you do this because it's your job stuff. But like I played a lot of games not only in the kind of fullest widest version of it, but I also play a lot of stuff in split mode too, where it's in PSP <clears throat> picture in picture because I'm also capturing a lot of stuff and pulling in other things there. So it winds up again, wind up being like another 21 nine monitor, but those UI elements, you know, a lot of times you can't really move them around because the games don't let you do that, but yeah. it's never really been um, a thing in which I've always felt like is something that I can't actually like track while I'm doing it. The one thing I will say is like some of the games where they have not done that resolution um, uh, accounting for that for a monitor this big motion sickness is a thing that sometimes pulls itself <laughs> in where you're just like it's a lot like you have a lot of stuff to think about and a lot of stuff to maneuver around uh so so sometimes it's like oh well i need to back up a little bit and get the most of the 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 actual like sense of where i'm at but for the most part it, it feels like it works fine 
Yeah, I mean, I, I Forza Horizon 5 also supports it, and it's amazing. But oh, there yeah. have been a, a number of times where I've been, like, in a race, and I literally need to move my head to the left to look over to see how, cl- you know, it gives you the racetrack and shows you where people, you know, that kind of, <laughs> like, where the turn is coming. I'm literally, like, taking my eyes <laughs> off of the road to look at where the next turn is coming. So in that sense, it can be a detriment. But the trade-off is so worth it. I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I've never complained about that. But yeah, there, there have been times where I literally have to turn my head to see a UI. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, it's pretty special. It's pretty special. I know. Again, fully recognize it's obnoxious to talk about this because it's a, you know, it's a, it's a luxury for sure. But if you are well, out having- there and you can, and you can make it happen, I highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, I'm saying, and I mean, especially doing this show with Khalif, where we have the two people in the world who own the two version, the, the only two examples of these monitors. We had to talk about it, you know, because how right. often do you have the two people that own them together? Well, I saw Khalif oh. tweet it, and I was like, "Oh, finally, someone said it out loud." This is what- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the 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 hope was when I built this studio out to have two of them, and I would just sit in the middle, and they would just just, just be. <laughs> Yeah. A swivel oh, chair, you just yeah, spin around. just spin around. Happy place. You're happy yeah, place. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to bring it back to God of War. Um, yeah. So I will say that I did not roll credits in the PC. I was given a code. I have not rolled credits on the PC version. I have played a, a, a chunk of it, a good chunk of it. Uh, rolled credits on the original. Played a lot of it again when it got that 60 frames per second patch on PS5. Um, I think Jeff, we talked about it on this show. There's like some other game that came out that week, and I was like, "Yeah, but God of War." Um, <laughs> it is such a fantastic game, and the way that I've started doing my favorites of the year now of just like it's a game that came out that year for me could count as my favorite of the year. If I had not played God of War on PS4 when it launched to completion, there's a very good chance that God of War would be my game of the year this year. I, I know Ragnarok's coming out, but like it is such an incredible game and this PC port of it is the definitive version. It is such an incredible PC port. Horizon Zero Dawn had some issues at launch. It is now an incredible game on PC. Um, I played just a little bit of Days Gone on PC and I feel like that's probably the best way to play that game as well. Mm-hmm. But this port of this game, this game's already incredible. I mean, Jeff... You know, you can talk to that. At, I mean, I think it's like one of your literal favorite of all time. It is. It and is my my number one. Uh, I think it's the best game of all time. I mean, my I have a favorite from my childhood that's sort of always going to sure. be my favorite. But I think I think God of War from 2018 is is the best video game ever made. And and this version of it is just stunning. You're able. I mean, it scales well across settings. It looks beautiful, maxed out on. I have a 3080 now. I again, first world problems, um, and just an absolutely phenomenal experience running on PC from day one. The thing that kept tripping me out the most was that I was sitting here playing with my uh, elite Xbox controller <laughs> and being like, I have paddles. <laughs> also, I'm on an Xbox controller with correct Xbox button prompts. Like, just again, I know that Sony has had other PC games out, but God of War felt very, it's the legacy IP that now has a PC port. Horizon doesn't have a sequel yet. Days Gone doesn't have a sequel yet. As we talked about last week, maybe never will. But this is Kratos on yeah. PC, and I'm getting Xbox prompts. I, if you have a version of this game, like, 
on PS4 or the updated version with PS5, I don't know if I can say that it's worth $50 for you to buy this game. But if you want the best version of this game, or heaven forbid, if you have not played this game, it's an immediate buy. I cannot recommend this version of this game any higher. And I think this ties really nicely into our discussion of game length, because Mm -hmm. I think this game, when it released, was so much longer than anyone ever expected from a God of War game. Uh, I remember going to the press event for this one and playing, you know, they'd give us two hours or something like that and thinking, oh man, I must have played quite a bit of it. And then you realize, no, 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 bud. There's a lot here, <laughs> a lot more here. Uh, and, and this is one of those games that while it is a 30, 40 hour single player experience, I, I feel like it was the perfect length. It just felt like they did open world so well. They did collectibles so well. They did optional stuff so well. And yet the story also is full and rich and long, but it never, it never really overstayed its welcome for me. I, I think this is, it's a masterpiece. I really do believe that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Atreus as a, you know, escort mission, essentially, for like you said 34 it's handled so beautifully for an npc that's a big part of the story and it's a heavy game it's not you know a light-hearted romp like the story packs a punch and they do interesting things with these characters i love seeing this on pc and i know that Corey had kind of talked around or about wanting god of war on pc back when other games were coming out <clears throat> and i believe they said that this was a two-year process with the studio they worked on to make this port i this is you know beggars can't be choosers i would love more sony first party games to come out on pc and if not day and date i'd love it if they could come out sooner um I guess I understand maybe the business decision for it otherwise, but they have shown with these last few releases the ability to make incredible PC versions of their games, and I'd love for more people to have the opportunity to play even more of them. I think day and date is a pretty big ask at this point, although Microsoft's doing it. So, I mean, Microsoft's in the PC business, so it makes more sense for them. But uh, I feel like day and date is, is unlikely, but it's pretty remarkable that we're getting this many Sony platform exclusive titles. I mean, you're talking about, as you said, Kratos, like that's a major, but you know, death stranding is another one that Mm -hmm. came out on PC. This is happening more and more. And I think, I don't think it shows any signs of slowing. I think that I, I will be surprised if we get to day and date, but certainly the fact that it's happening at all is a, as a big plus, I think. Sony fan base would lose its mind if they went day and date. Yeah. They would it would implode day and date when <laughs> they would just lose their minds. Yeah. Yep. I don't, I I, I don't know. Though. I think I think the world I, I'm not saying it would get there on the PS5 or you know this year certainly. But I I, I don't disagree, Cleef. I think people like message board arguments or Twitter arguments would be annoying about it. But I, <laughs> I, I do think the landscape has changed. Where you know it's not coming out on Xbox, right? It's it, but I, I think that landscape has changed, and Sony's certainly not not as if their consoles aren't selling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand its work and developing for uh, a PC release maybe takes a little more, little a lot more work. But I do think that 
environment is changing a little bit now to be a little more accepting of these day and date releases. But also, as you mentioned, Jeff, like there, if you put this game up next to anything and told someone that this wasn't, look what you can do now, you know, look what 3080s <laughs> yeah. can do. And it does have DLSS, a great implementation of DLSS um, NVIDIA technology in God of War. Um, but again, hold this game up to any other game and you'd be like, wow, 2022 has some beautiful games. Yeah, for sure. There's so much attention to detail too. And you see all the detail in this game. It's just, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And uh, yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad that there are folks that never had a PS4 that will get to play this now because it's on PC. Great stuff. That's God of War. Uh, Khalif, what else have you been playing this week? I am going back into League of Legends. Uh, I've been playing Ooh. a lot of League of late, uh, trying to learn. Uh, for folks who may not know at home, I work at Riot, um, and and been wanting to dig more into the into that space to kind of see like, you know, what am I missing here in a way that I you know want to kind of know exactly what the audience is feeling when they play these games and how they're kind of coming to it and and how I can be competitive in a MOBA space because, you know, uh, pour one out for Paragon and, and predecessor that's going to be hopefully coming out. So hopefully soon, uh, but I love the MOBA space. I'm, I'm super competitive. And now getting back into league has been really interesting because I'm watching a lot of it with the LCS and the com- competitive spaces and then seeing exactly how good those folks are in comparison so to good. how bad I am <laughs> when I play. It is humbling in a huge way to see you know not only just from a strategic perspective but from a you know matchup perspective it's like you know we as sports fans love the intricacies of of the matchup right and and learning what's the thing that you can do to kind of balance out your opponent and having over a hundred of those versions of conversations plus playing on pc and feeling like I know how to touch type. I've been touch typing since I was 16 and not knowing where a button goes when you put your hand on a keyboard because you're in the <laughs> middle of a fight is frustrating, but also again, like puts into, into, you know, frame just how good the folks are who are playing this thing at the highest level. Um, so it's been a lot of fun. It's been frustrating. I need a good squad to play with mm, uh, yeah. to like help me kind of learn and also not suck, but it's been, it's been super fun to kind of dig back into that space. How do you feel as someone who's kind of dabbled in it? And like you mentioned, uh, a lot of MOBA experience um, in the past and for some MOBAs that didn't make it. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But what is that kind of re-onboarding experience for League in in your opinion? I'm always fascinated by, like I talk about it in Destiny 2 as I love Destiny 2, but walk away from it for eight months at a time and then come back and I'm like, my little boy's all grown up. I don't know where anything is anymore. Like for a very technical game or yeah. high skill level game right. like League, yeah. is that re-onboarding experience welcoming? Or is it do you kind of feel like you're hit with a wall of menus and five new heroes and refiguring out the meta? Or how does it bring you back? So it's interesting because I was not a league player for a long period of time. Like I just didn't play League. I played a lot of Smite. To, to, to kind of start my, my MOBA experience when it was kind of more of the, you know, kind of PC experience. I was playing a lot of Smite on, on console and then moving over to PC to kind of play that. But that's also, again, like a third-person MOBA. That's different. 
in that way Tra- classic top-down moba style stuff i really didn't play a lot of it i actually jumped into those ips on mobile with wild rift which i think is mm. actually the best version of the league experience for people who are just starting out they do a fantastic job in the tutorial spaces they do a great job of walking you through champions in a way that does not and has not necessarily really translated over to the full game in the best way and that's the thing that you know when i'm when i'm in meetings and sometimes and people are having the conversations I'm like hey kyle what do you think about our league experience I'm like this is not friendly for anybody who is starting this thing out and you need to kind of address that because there's just a lot of gates to characters there's a lot of uh, missed opportunities to to tour to tutorialize the game to for people um so i think that there's a lot of that mix in there for new players that makes it extremely hard to get in um and, and is daunting to to start that process it's interesting. Jeff, you, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say uh, Wild Rift. You know, I, I've been meaning to give that a shot up. Yeah. A friend of the show, Patrick Beja, has been on me. He keeps saying that it's such a such a great game, and I, I really want to give it a shot. But It's very good. Yeah. I I miss MOBAs, man. I was so deep into Heroes of the Storm for for so long and mm-hmm. just loved, loved, loved hate, right? Because it was, it was torturous <laughs> at times as well. But, um, you know. I, I definitely miss miss MOBAs. I haven't had a MOBA in my life in years now, which is mm-hmm. really uh, really sad and really crazy to think that time flies like that. But mm-hmm. um, is Arcane or Ruined King have they pulled you back to the mothership of of League, Jeff? Because like I mean, you've real I didn't Ruined King wasn't my genre either, so like turn based fighting game. Uh, as much as I love everything that Airship puts out, um, Arcane is fantastic. What a show! And like for someone who loved MOBAs, is that are those tentacles kind of dragging you, or is it just free time that's saying like you shall not pass? Well, it is the free time <laughs> saying you shall not pass. But I I have felt like oh well now I kind of feel like I have a way into this universe that I didn't have before. I mean, part of the thing that drew me to Here's of the Storm is oh I have a familiarity with these characters, mm, and yeah. so you know jumping into League, which has what how many champions? Hundred plus, yeah. Like it's it's so intimidating to wrap your head around that number of of things. But having context now with like, oh, I kind of get the stories, and I get I I care about these these characters because that was my my shortcut into getting into it. Is like, oh, I understand why Diablo plays like this because Diablo plays like that in Diablo, right? I understand how you know why Gina Proudmore works like this because I know her from World of Warcraft, so that was a real big um, boon in my onboarding in that game and, and, and just my draw to it. So yes, the, the long version of it is yes. And now I, I do have much more context than I ever did with the, the league characters, but I still haven't made that leap yet just because I know what a huge time investment it requires mm-hmm. to become, you know, to have any fun really to have become even serviceable at those games. That's going to be my next question is like, as someone who has very little MOBA experience, I mean, like Pokemon Unite, uh, I -hmm. think, is that the one? That's the one I I play from time to time on my phone. Um, Is it, is there a casual, and maybe our audience can can let me know because someone does do this. And I feel like this is the version of the internet where like, I want to play a fighting game. And then you go to Shuruken and it's like, I will never (laughs) play this fighting game. (laughs) And like, LCS and watching elite players play league, it just feels so far out of my league, but it's such a hugely popular game. There have to be 
versions of people that are playing pickup basketball league, right? There it has to oh, yeah. that, I would think. I, but every time I hear a discussion about it, it seems so oppressive. <laughs> it, it, it's interesting because I think even within the MOBA space, there is this very, very like there are like the Tyler ones of the world, the 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 folks who like you see on Twitch often being kind of the faces of the game that are in that space that are like very, very hardcore into it and very hardcore <laughs> into, you know, knowing all like the minutia of the game is where the wins and losses are actually made. It's, it's the meta of course, with the, the, the change of the, of the seasons for, for, for what that looks like having a familiarity with the, the, the champions that you feel like are, you know, play to your play style and play to, you know, which, which lane you're kind of running uh, in, in the game. And then like, there are the folks who, who do play, but they go into it with an understanding that they are not trying to be sweaty when they play. And I think that that's a part <laughs> of the conversation is like, you go into it with people who you're like, you know, if we lose, you know, it's okay. Even if you're uber competitive, cause I know I'm very competitive. Uh, and you're like, you know, if we take an L, it's totally fine. We were kind of just doing this because we want to be around each other. And I think that's where you wind up having that layer of competition be kind of more in that space where you can learn yeah. and you have to fight. You got to five stack it. Like you got a four and five stack. You got to jump into a game with people that you're familiar with because the other folks have different expectations for what that gameplay is supposed to be. There are people who jump into that and they, they're like, no, we're playing and we are playing hard and we yeah. are not you're like, don't feed, don't do that stuff. But there's also, um, within that ecosystem, I think that there are games that touch the mobile layer that are not specifically what we think of in that larger sense. So like ARAM as that one lane, uh, uh, game type is very, very much for a more casual fan. Yeah. Where you're, you're, you're coming into that game with a random character and just playing through getting from one end to the other, which I think is the kind of fast, quick, like, I just want to feel that gameplay experience, but not want to be in a super sweaty environment. So I think that's where most people kind of have those experiences. Too. Yeah. Yep. Very cool, man. It, 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 uh, you know, just talking about it makes me, I miss it. I miss mm-hmm. playing those games, but it, they also were very, it was very stressful. Uh, Cause I did, I, you know, I, I rarely was, was five stacking. I very, very rarely, I was often, you know, solo queuing and that is a harrowing experience <laughs> to say the I'll, least. I'll play with you, Jeff. Uh, I'm get some games in. I'll play. I gotta, maybe I should do that. Maybe I should. I thought you were going to say I was rarely happy now. when I was playing. That too. <laughs> I was like, I was That's rarely too. happy. That's very true. <laughs> I have a lot of those games. That was Paragon for me for a bit. I was like, some days you're like, I this yeah. game just hates me and oh, doesn't man. want me to do anything. I remember just pounding my hand on the table. You know, you get to those <laughs> ranked. You, know, you play in ranked and you get people who are casual jumping in and you're like, why are you in ranked? Yeah, yeah, There's yeah, no yeah, reason yeah. to be here. There's a whole mode for you. <laughs> like, I'm just here to have fun. Well, then don't play ranked. <laughs> I'm here to modern, level up. Modern Seinfeld. Jerry walks in, and he was in ranked. Uh, <laughs> ranked, Jerry, ranked. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, the closest I got to that is Rocket League Sideswipe, where I had a couple. Uh, I battled my way to promotion into platinum. Never got it. Um, probably me. I don't want to blame my partner. And now because of that, I'm my next game that I play would would be that technical platinum promotion game. I haven't played. 
I'm just oh, like, I'm no. not going to go down. Like, <laughs> just let it sit there. You're frozen in amber. Yeah. Just yeah, like exactly. never moving. Beautiful. Gold five or whatever I am. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, before we go on, let me just thank our second sponsor, which is Squarespace. And of course, if you listen to the show, you've undoubtedly heard me talk about Squarespace. I recommend it to all my friends and family. If you need a website, you can create one, a beautiful one, yourself. Make it yourself. Don't pay someone else to make your website. Don't learn HTML. Use the tools at Squarespace because they are simple and they are straightforward and you can make it yourself. All you got to do is start with one of their beautifully designed professional templates. These are made by uh, incredibly talented designers. You start with a template that you like, and then you start messing around with it. Just drag and drop stuff, put things there, put things over there. See what you like. It's simple. It's easy. It makes it really very simple to drop in e-commerce functionality. If you have something to sell, no problem. Squarespace has the tools and everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. Makes it so simple. Uh, you can just customize the look, feel, the settings, the products, all with just a few clicks. I really, really like it. I've been using it. JeffCanada.com was made with Squarespace a decade ago, more. And uh, I, I just, there's no reason to use anything else. You got analytics to help you grow in real time. They have built-in search engine optimization to help your website grow over time free and secure hosting. There's never anything to patch or upgrade ever. They have 24-7 award-winning customer support. If you run into any problems, make it yourself. Easily create a website yourself with everything that you need. It's great. So check it out. Head over to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. You'll get yourself a free trial. This is a really free, free, free trial where you don't even have to put in your credit card. And when you're ready to launch... Use our offer code, which is Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E. Save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Also a great place to buy domains. They have over 200 extensions. Really cool front end for that. So check it out, squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. And then that promo code Jeff sent me to save 10% off. All right, Christian, uh, anything else on your playlist other than the Lots of God of War? Lots of God of War is all I can talk about uh, this week, but other amazing games uh, that we will be talking about soon. Yes, I am still, I was playing some more God of War than I intended to as well. That game is just like, because of that single camera thing, it just draws you in. I just like, I want to play more of that. Mm -hmm. The only thing, the only thing that pulled me away from it was like, as things started to get heavy again, I was like, I know where this goes, but do I want this right now? <laughs> yeah, it is that. Like, as a, I hate to say this all the time, or I don't say it that much, but like as a parent, I do think the game punches a little different. Um, mm. And I, I guess maybe as a child, you know, you might be able to relate it to your relationship with your parents as well for people that don't have kids. But there are moments in that game where uh, Christian has to walk away for a little bit. <laughs> <There's> no spoilers. <laughs> it's beautiful. Well, mm-hmm. I'm also, I want to update folks on my continued Outer Wilds Echoes of the Eye playthrough that I'm doing with Lana and uh, Danish. Um, Khalif, have you played Outer Wilds or uh, Echoes of the Eye, either of those? The, the I have played Outer Wilds, and I'm, I'm in the weird camp of people who don't like Outer Wilds. 
I was that way too, man. I resisted. I tried that game at least three times, maybe four yeah. different times. I'm like, this is the time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. It took being Sherpa'd. I had to have a Sherpa <laughs> yeah. hard. Uh, and, and honestly, as I said last week, I think as Danish pointed out, the, the, uh, the expansion is actually an easier first experience than the main game, I think, okay. because it's, it really is one location and you're not bouncing between different planets and it's a little more focused that way. Mm. And it is truly a, a Christian. If I could rewrite my top five, I might pull a U and put an expansion <laughs> on my top five of the year list it's that good. It's truly, huh. I mean, this is, it's, it's one of, this has been one of the most fun, interesting, cool playthroughs of a video game I've ever had. It's, I, I don't think I've ever played a game. I certainly played lots of games with other people, you know, where you're like, you know, either sitting on a couch or virtually and you're, you're talking through it and trying to figure out the puzzles together. I've never played a single player game with people that have already finished it. Mm. and are there to just sort of be supportive it's it's a completely different experience and what i highly recommend if you have friends that are willing to do that and i'm very fortunate that lana and danish are both willing to do that uh because it's really cool like they don't ever give me the answer to anything but there's such cool it's so cool to be able to not waste my time doing something that is not going to get anywhere, you know, <laughs> or I'll just, have, I'll just be able to say like, have I been here already? And they'll be like, yeah, you've been here already. Or no, you haven't. You know? just like that little bit is so great. It's, it's like having a personalized hint system that will never <laughs> overshare with you. You know, like you can ask it only the amount that you want to ask. It's so great. Human uh, places. Like cards. that tree looks interesting. Atlanta's like that tree does look interesting. <laughs> yeah. I really love the geometry yeah. of that tree. She's so good, <laughs> so good about that. Like I'll say, uh, uh, you know, I'll say something, something about the game that I noticed and she'll be like, well, that's an interesting observation. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm on to something, you know, <laughs> uh, but it, the game is, is extraordinary. It, it It is truly special. It is really, uh, not like anything else. I can't even wrap my head around how it was designed. It, it, it's, it's, it's incredible that it's all there waiting for you right at the beginning. And you just have to go through the process of figuring it out step by step in order to access it. But you could have just walked up and accessed it right away. You just didn't know what you were looking for yet. Uh. It's so brilliant. It's so brilliant. And the the surprises are truly gobsmacking. You know, I have my jaws on the floor often at the game. Like, what is happening right now? Uh it, it really feels like discovering a, a, a an alien civilization. And one that is unlike anything else I've ever seen in a video game. I've never seen like a sci-fi world that feels rustic before, you know, huh. and that it, it, that's what the game does. It also, it really carves out very unique iconography and uh, symbolism and, and things that just don't feel like they're lifting from other stuff. I mean, even, you know, even Halo, it's like, eh, I've seen Space Marines before. I've seen even the... The, um, the, the, you know, obviously the flood, uh, we've seen stuff like that, but even the, um, the covenant, right. Even the covenant's like, yeah, it's uniquely halo, 
but it's it's very much like other sci-fi things, right? This really feels wholly original in even just the tone and design of the alien civilization. And that feels really exciting to be like, I'm discovering something that I just have never looked at before. It's, huh. it's, it's cool. It's, it's a very, very special game. And one that, you know, it took me a while, a long while to, to understand, to grok. Uh, but now I, that I do, it's, it's, I mean, there's still, there's still edges to it that I feel like, man, if that edge wasn't there, I feel like more people could appreciate this game. But I keep being assured that when I get to the end, I'll understand why those edges are there. Mm. <laughs> So anyway, that's, do, I'll, do you I'll keep think, updating. Hmm? Do you think you'll revisit, and maybe I asked this last week, do you think you'll revisit the main game after yeah. finishing Echoes of the Eye? I yeah. do. I, I, I'm, I'm hooked now. I want to see, you know, I want to see how the main game plays out and what, what things it reveals and how it reveals them. And it has so many incredible sci-fi ideas. And I think that is only multiplied in the main game because there's all these different planets that behave differently from each other uh, in the in the uh, expansion, you're basically on one planet and it's an amazing one, an amazing one, but it is, you know, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see more now. And now I kind of get it, right? I get I, I, all the things that put me off from Outer Wilds, I feel like are no longer going to be issues for me. All right. Uh, I do have one more thing I want to talk about, but it is a VR game. So uh, we need to go into the VR segment. Right before the end of the year, uh, one of the most anticipated new VR games for me was released, and I didn't grab it at that time. So much was going on, uh, but I picked it up this last week, and I started playing Song in the Smoke. Uh, I'm playing it on Index on PC. I believe it is also available for Rift, uh, but it is... um, it is the new game from 17-Bit. I'm a huge fan of that studio. Uh, I'm friends with some of the guys that uh, founded it, um, or at least one of the guys in particular. Uh, but uh, so take that with a grain of salt. But I am, I am, I think this game is really, really good. And unfortunately, it doesn't have the most flashy visualizations. You know, the visuals are are in that sort of uh, Oculus Rift space where things are a little cartoony or a little abstracted or a little flat. Uh, it doesn't look like a Lone Echo 2 or a, you know, or a Half-Life Alex. It's not going to be that visual showpiece for VR, but it certainly is a mechanical showpiece for VR because it does so many things really, really cleverly. This is a survival game. You're uh, on the main difficulty on the normal difficulty you're dealing with hunger and temperature and you're trying to survive in this strange environment um but it does it in vr in a way that is so physical and so tactile that it is so evocative i mean you do a number of the things that you would do in other survival games like you know finding food crafting items you know, building up your tech tree and starting from very primitive uh, technological things like, you know, a, you know, a very basic bow and arrow or a very basic knife and, and, and whittling things down into other things, bashing two rocks together to start a fire, that kind of stuff. But you're doing it in VR with motion controls. And so you're physically doing all that. 
So I find a rock on the ground. I pick it up. I bash it on another rock. A spark sparks. I have to physically put twigs into a circle of rocks on the ground and some kindling and strike the rock so that it catches fire and makes the campfire, which I can then, you know, dry pelts on. And the physicality of it is so much different. It really adds a layer of immersion. It adds adds a layer of just sort of a pleasurable physical movement. You know, I, that sounds, I think, boring, but the, the, the notion of doing those things is in itself fun, is, is in itself pleasurable. Um, and I think I have said uh, numerous times when talking about VR that one of the benefits that VR affords game designers is that it allows you to, to slow your game way down. Because when you are doing it, it is still fun, even though you're doing things at a much slower pace than would be acceptable for any video game. You know, video games can feel like you're in molasses if you're not, you know, moving at a certain speed and able to jump at a certain height and able to do things. You know, we all I think we've all had that experience where a game feels really slow or like, let's keep let's I got to get some action. I got to get some action. And because VR is so immediately immersive and you're taking everything in at human scale. The scale that you are in the virtual world is the scale that you experience the real world, right? So you're not looking at a window, even if it's a 32.9 window. You're not looking at a window, <laughs> uh, you know, you're not looking at a window where where sizes are, are an abstraction. You're actually relating to the world in a one-to-one ratio, a size ratio of, of how you're standing in it. And so in, a, in just in that sense, you're kind of, moving slower doing things in a slower pace is still interesting you're still compelling you don't feel that need to like constantly be stimulated because stimulation is all around you and so i think a survival game in particular benefits from that and you can slow things way down like the idea of uh, walking into a dark cave in this game and having to strike uh you know i i literally uh forge a a torch and then strike it on the wall to, you know, have it burst into flames. And then I can see, and then I'm holding it out in front of me and walking and looking and seeing what this cave is. And the darkness is illuminated by gentle flickering flame from my torch. And I'm doing all of it. I'm holding it out in front of me and I'm moving forward slowly. It's so cool. It makes you feel like a real survivor in this space. And then, you know, it has a layer of story that's pretty good. And, and some really creepy looking uh, bad guys and 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 creatures. You hunt in this game, and you like it. It really all works super well, and I I just wish it had uh, a bit higher fidelity visuals. You know, because I'm I'm hooked on that uh, Lone Echo Two style. You know, we're not just not getting those mm-hmm. until maybe until maybe PSVR two. But man, I think this game really, if you have a VR headset, do not let this one pass you by because it is super cool. Song in the Smoke, it is what it's called. There's a fantastic gamesindustry.biz article from January 11th. Uh, This is a family show, so I will uh, censor the headline of the article. 
but it's <laughs> launching a VR game these days is a perfect storm of excrement. <laughs> and it's yeah. with uh, Jake Casdall of 17 yeah. bit talking about speaking frankly about the difficulty of launching the survival game song in the smoke last month. And it talks about like the platforms and their desire to get into the VR space. Um, Games Industry Biz has a lot of great interviews and articles, and this is one that jumped out at me immediately. I love when folks speak frankly about, you know, it's a miracle that any video game gets made. Um, and yeah. this approach, their approach to talking about VR development specifically, was fascinating. I I consider Jake a friend. I mean, he lives in Japan. Uh, we don't see each other much, but I I really like him, and I think he is a real straight shooter and uh, talks honestly uh, about the video games industry has been in it for a long, long time and makes really interesting games that he cares about. Like he puts his heart into the games that 17 bit makes. Uh, you see it with all, with all of their games. And, uh, and I think song of the smoke is one of the best games they've made I, I, so far. I mean, I'm, I'm, I haven't finished it. Uh, I'm I'm pretty early on into it, but it I feels I don't know how long a game it is, but it is really really clever. Uh, so many great ideas, like lessons that I hope other VR designers just steal from it. Um, like how it handles platforming is amazing. There's a lot of much more platforming in the game than I would think, and they don't handle it like a like the climb. You know, a lot of these games use mm. the climb as the as the template for doing that. It's it's a it's a really interesting way of traversal in the game it, it's it's just so well thought out and so evocative and so cool so i highly recommend song in the smoke all right that is what i've been playing and that is our vr segment uh we do have parting gifts coming up but this is going to be the end of our show khalif it's been so awesome catching up with you here in 2022 thank you for being with us Thank you for having me, as always. Always dope to be able to rock with you all and hang out and talk about video games and all the things that they live therein. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's awesome. We are so fortunate to be able to have you on. Uh, and tell folks where they can keep up with the things that you make on the internet. You can check out all the work that I do uh, every Friday morning is when a live new show, or not a live new show, but a new show uh, of Spawn on Me, a new episode drops on all podcast platforms. Uh, we just had the amazing Jason Kelly, uh, who is the VO actor who played Colt in Deathloop nice. on our most recent show. Uh, we also have a nice little bonus show dropping where talking to the folks over at Razor about all the stuff that they dropped uh, at CES this year because I'm a big tech nerd in that way uh of course you can you, check out with the ultra I mean, wide super ultra wide it's I not never. A, it's not really super ultra wide because it's not 50 inches it's only 49 <laughs> uh do i have yeah, to throw my monitor in the garbage is trash it's garbage <laughs> uh but you can check out my musings over at Khalif adams on twitter uh and at spawn on me as well over on twitter as well so you can check out all the stuff we're doing over there because we have some really big things coming up uh towards the end of this month that we'll be talking about in a second Woohoo, christian spicer what about you what do you got going on this week uh finalizing uh my newsletter which i uh, do a long form writing about video games which you can it's called let's chat games and you can subscribe to it for free at tinyletter.com slash christian spicer this i do about one or two a month this month is kind of my optimistic look forward into 2022. 
and all of the things about gaming that I think is super exciting um, and kind of getting that conversation started because I, I really do feel like this year is in hindsight going to be transformative um, in the space and one that we kind of look back to like, oh, dang, the Nintendo came out. I, I really think there's a chance that it could be that big of a year with where we are. So you can find that again at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer if you want to subscribe to that. And then Twitter is the other way to kind of see what's happening here and there. And you can find me there at Spicer, S-P-I-C-E-R. And then I stream this show live on my Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. We typically record Sundays at 7.15 p.m. Pacific time. And uh, Jeffrey, continuing... Uh, 2022 with Danish and Khalif uh, and some of the other guests we have coming up. We have a heck of a beginning of the year planned with some awesome guests joining yes, us in DLC. Uh, we, we are lining them up and it is uh, very, very cool. I will continue to make the call for folks to point us to voices that we may not be aware of. We're getting uh, great suggestions. Send them to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Post them on the, the Discord. Post them on the subreddit. Anywhere you can let us know, uh, folks, that you'd like to hear on this show that we may not know. Uh, we want to hear about new voices, voices that we can uh, get on our show. So uh, also you can uh, tweet at me. I'm at Jeff Kanata. Just spell with two N's and one T. And uh, I have several other shows for you to check out. You can listen to me talk about movies and TV at the Filmcast, which is uh, uh, a show I am quite proud of. I also do a science comedy show called we have concerns you can find that wherever you get podcasts as well uh there's the dungeon run which you can find on twitch.tv slash the dungeon run that is a live play dungeons and dragons show that i do i'm also quite proud of uh, it's on youtube it's also a podcast you can listen to it that way great great way to check out the show uh and uh finally the fan controlled football league uh, I am. I do the uh, official podcast, the official stream. We do that on Thursdays. You can find that at twitch.tv slash FCF. I think they're going to be coaching the Cowboys next year. Is that yes. fan-controlled football? Quarterback sneak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. All right. Uh, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Nope. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. I don't understand why it always has a problem with that one. It's the same one, and it doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> All right, here we go. Belief, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I do. I have two. I'll, I'll go through the first one super, super quick. Uh, it, it was a suggestion from a friend of mine who said, hey, do you like watching naked men? And I was like, oh, you know, it depends on what you mean by naked. And I was like, is it me in the, in the shower? Is it me in the bathroom? Is it just other people looking at themselves? No clothes on. And she said, Finding Magic Mike is a fantastic show. You should watch it. And I was like, oh, okay. So watched it and started to go through it. And it is actually one of the best shows on television that no one is talking about. Because you would think it's just a whole lot of reality TV, bunch of dudes with machismo kind of going at it and trying to, you know, grind their way into stardom. 
But it wasn't that. It was actually a beautiful bunch of dudes talking about their feelings, talking about, you know, it was the least toxic masculine show I've seen in a very, very long time. And it was just a really wonderful delight. It was actually really fantastic. So I would say go check out Finding Magic Mike. It was it was a really cool and beautiful show. Um, and my last parting gift is about our award show. We talked a little bit about Game of the Year shows from GDC and from Dice. I am jumping into the fray as 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 a person who is looking to make my own award show uh, around the Spawn on Me called the Spawnies. Uh, yes. One of the gaps that we that I've seen in the space is that there isn't an, an award show that celebrates uh, underrepresented groups or people of color within the gaming industry. Uh, you know, often we go, uh, kind of, uh, you know, overlooked in that space. Uh, so I want to address that with a, with an hour long show that we're going to be doing, uh, on January 31st. Uh, I'm very excited about it. I am very proud of the work that we got done in a very short amount of time, uh, with the ideas that are running around in my head that came true. Uh, I'm actually really hyped at the fact that we're going to get this thing done and it's going to be live around 6 PM PST at twitch.tv slash spawn on me uh we'll be on the front page of twitch uh and we're giving out 11 awards amazing uh, 11 awards with names that you would never think of for an actual award like so cool our vr award is going to be called the jamiroquai <laughs> uh our our, our most emotional virtual game. insanity right it's exactly virtual- <laughs> exactly our, our most emotional game is called the snot bubble cry award um That's and amazing. our sports game is going to be called the willis read big dummy award and nobody who's <laughs> nobody who's under the age of you know who's like 20 years old is going to know what the hell willis reed is uh, it. so it's great we have physical awards. I'm mailing those things out to, to d- developers next week or this week, actually. Um, and then we have some really cool special things with, uh, with a couple of surprises in there as well. So I'm very, very excited for this. And, and uh, version one is going to be fun to kind of get out into the world. And then we'll see what happens from there. But I'm, I'm hyped for it. So cool, man. That's January 31st. Is that what you said? January 31st, 6 p.m. PST. Amazing. Excited. Spawnies. Yeah. Christian Spicer. How about you? There's a comic book. It is a DC Black Label book. It, it is Catwoman Lonely City um, by Cliff Chang, uh, who did Black Canary, Green Arrow, some Wonder Woman stuff, Paper Girls. I, yes, il- illustrator on Paper Girls. Um, and the con, it's, I think it's a four issue run, uh, Lonely City. Two are out now. I believe issue three comes out in March, I think. And the idea, the premise is that Catwoman comes back to Gotham City after spending, I think, a decade in Blackgate. And she's a decade older. It's not like how sometimes they're like, I just spent 20 years in prison and I'm still the same penguin. You know, it's like (laughs) she's 52 or whatever she is now. And the day this is all like premise stuff. No, no spoilers. Um, The day she was arrested was like the most violent day in Gotham and a bunch of people died. Um, And now she's coming back to a Gotham that is safer, cleaner and better than ever um, after this horrific day that put her away all these years ago. And what does that mean? How do you reconcile with being um, past your prime in the city that maybe no longer needs or wants you? And um, Cliff is the writer, illustrator, letterer, colorist, doing the whole thing on this book and it is a um 
extra, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A larger than normal, not thickness. Large format. Like a large format. Thank you. Golly. You know, bigger than, longer than <laughs> the other. Large format book and uh, highly recommend getting it, the, the paper copy if you can. Catwoman, Lonely City, assuming the next two continue uh, the strength of these first two issues is absolutely phenomenal. What a great mm. story. You had me at 50-year-old Catwoman. Yeah. Uh, she still got it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't uh, doubt it. I don't doubt it. Uh, really, really cool premise. My parting gift is a show. I don't know how I missed it when it came out. I guess I do. As it was buried on some uh, obscure uh, streaming site, I think. Actually, no, I think it was Quibi. Comedy Central. Whatever. Quibi. Classic Quibi. Quibi. <laughs> uh, anyway, I didn't, I didn't know about it when it came out. But I am a huge fan of uh, I Think You Should Leave, the sketch comedy series on Netflix. Sloppy Steaks. Sloppy Steaks, baby. Sloppy yeah. Steaks. I used to be a piece of ass. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, a huge fan of that show. Little did I know the minds behind that show uh, had an actual sitcom before it called Detroiters. And I'm here to tell you, I think it might be even better than I think you should leave. It is hilarious. Uh, zany and wacky, just like I think you should leave. But inside the format of a, a <laughs> sitcom that, that has serialized storytelling that like carries over from episode to episode instead of these sketches that just you know come and go, it, is a, uh, it actually holds together, even though it is bizarre and over the top and hilarious. Uh, if you have not seen it, Highly recommended. I believe it is on. What is it on? Paramount Plus? Something weird? Anyway, it's something weird now. It's on one of the streaming services. Seek it out. Detroiters. It will make you hold your sides with laughter if, if you're like me. All right. We have a listener suggested parting gift. This comes to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. It comes from Dave. Dave writes Christian mentioning an upcoming camping trip made me think of a suggestion for a great bit of gear. I do agree that camelbacks are amazing, as Christian pointed out. Uh, I've had mine for nearly 20 years. If you haven't seen solar-powered inflatable lamps, I highly recommend one. I have a basic Luminade, but they also have models that can be used to charge other electronics. They collapse down and don't weigh too much. Easy to clip to your pack, to charge while hiking. It's a good light for food prep after dark and can attach to the top of your tent or your hammock. Camp hammocks are the best, but maybe not family friendly. For a decent no, dome light. They are, I'll interrupt, they're the best because it's like, sorry kids, dad's hammocking and uh, it's very family friendly. If the hammock is a rocking, don't come a knocking. That means uh, get away from it because kids, you're shaking it. Leave the <laughs> hammock alone. <laughs> Uh, also works as a decent dome light. It's a great supplement to your headlamp. I always pack my headlamp, Luminade, Camelback, and Knife. Because you never know what's lurking in the darkness. I, I, I editorialized on that part. I added that. Um, gear is so much fun. Uh, hope Colorado and California are treating you well. Things are cold in what? MA is Maryland? Ma Massachusetts? What's MA? That's Mass. Massachusetts. Uh, but that's nothing new, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Um, I'm excited to start the camping in the Colorado. I, we, we, our kids are a little younger than Christian, so we haven't really done it. Um, but Christian, uh, what do you think? Luminate, you going to get one of these bad boys? I had not heard of this, and I'm looking at it now, and I love, and I mean this sincerely, 
I love parting gifts that listeners sent in that cost me money. Like, yeah. that's a, I'm like buying it right now. I am on board. This thing looks awesome. And to know that it actually works, you know, like sometimes you it's, like, it's the best gadget ever. It does everything. And I'm like, yeah, right. Uh, but this looks awesome. I'm very excited. I think I can charge a, a 32 by nine monitor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for roughing it. Yeah. Uh, uh, I love it. Now somebody's going to write in with like a pardoning gift. Dear Christian, after hearing about your paltry experience on a 16 by 9 monitor, yeah. let me just say the Samsung G9 ultra wide, super ultra wide. Yeah. <laughs> Good parting gift. Uh, all right, if you'd like to have your parting gift on our show, send it to us. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you send those. We appreciate it. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those fun bumpers. Thanks to the folks hanging out with us in real time. We appreciate you. Thanks to Khalif Adams and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. And thanks to each and every one of you for downloading this show and giving us your time. We are grateful. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.